0: And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. And as I have said previously, the Lord gave to Jonah another chance, another opportunity to serve him. Way back in 1810, American painter Samuel Finlay Breeze Morse moved to England to carry on some studies there. He returned to America to be the founder and the first president of New York's National Academy of Design. Morse, like many people, in the beginning of the nineteenth century, he was fascinated by electricity. And in eighteen thirty two he was intrigued by the possibility of actually sending messages along an electric wire. In 1843, Congress voted him $30,000 to make a magnetic telegraphic line between Washington and Baltimore. So Samuel Morse invented a code of dots and dashes so that he could transmit messages down the wire. Quickly, the, the project grew, and telegraph lines, offices, and operators and demand everywhere one employment agency advised uh, for an operator and was overwhelmed to find a whole room full of young men applying for the job suddenly one young man stood up and said okay you all can go home I've got the job everybody else said how do you know he replied didn't you hear the message in dots and dashes? It said, can you read me? If you can, send everybody else home. You've got the job. And then the opening verses of this third chapter of the book of Jonah, God gave a message. Jonah heard that message and this time he heeded it. And as a result, he got the job back again because he had disqualified himself by running from God. Now someone has said that the book of Jonah is all about the will of God and how we should respond to it. It's about the love of God and how we should share it with others. So God gave unto his servant a fresh message and in this chapter we see how he shared it with others. That's what it's all about. The last time we thought about the coming of the word to, to Jonah and we also thought about the command of the word given to jonah we've got to move on this evening to think of three more things and i hope to get it finished tonight i'm sure you're hoping that as well third point the compliance with the word the bible says here in verse three so jonah arose and went unto nineveh according to the word of the lord this time Uh, You can see the soul of compliance as opposed to the but of rebellion in chapter 1, verse 3. These little words make a difference, you know. So here's the soul of compliance before it was but. But he fled unto Tarshish from the presence of God. And the reason I feel that he went on this occasion was he was made willing in the day of God's power. When Queen Elizabeth II came to the throne on the death of her father she received a letter from her grandmother it was a letter of sympathy and also a letter of allegiance for she concluded that letter by saying your loving grandmother and devoted subject our only answer to God the call of God must be total obedience history is Replete with stories of what one solitary figure, one solitary person can do. One solitary person can make a great change in the things of God. Ask Moses what one person can do. After hearing God speak from the burning bush, he went back to Egypt and became a great emancipator. Unbelievable. Ask Nehemiah what one man can do after hearing a report of the broken down walls of jerusalem he left his civic uh, civil service job and went back to lead the rebuilding of the broken walls now i don't think that he had any experience in building walls but god commissioned him to do the seeming impossible and inside 52 days six or seven weeks the work was completed because he was god's man for the hour at that particular time you can ask William Wilberforce virtually who virtually single-handedly brought an end to slavery in the nation a century ago and one of the greatest revivals in history came to Nineveh and it all began with Jonah what can one person do for God one person can accomplish great things for God once they get into that place of submission, into that place of yieldedness to the Lord, there's no telling what one person can achieve or accomplish for the praise of the Savior's name. So here we have the compliance with the word. The word came again. It was a fresh message, fresh word. And this time, there's the soul instead of the butt. He's brought into this place of submission by the power of the Spirit. He's willing to go now. He's willing to do what God wants him to do, the holding back. God has dealt with him, and he is prepared to do what the Savior wants him to do. That's a great place to be, you know, just to be in that place where God can take you and use you in your home, in your college, in your school, in your workplace. That's a great place to be, where you're dedicated and surrendered and yielded to the Lord. There's no telling what can happen When you do that, when God gets his way in your life and controls your life, how you can be a blessing to a husband, to a wife, to a son, to a daughter, who can tell what the outcome of that dedication to God, where it might lead you to in this service. So there is the compliance with the word. And then in the next place, we think about the communication of the word. What's this all about? Well, he's sharing the message that God gave to him. Uh, And we're told here that Jonah cried and said, Yet forty days, and none of us shall be overthrown. Now, at the very start, I gave an outline. Chapter 1, we have a word from God. God speaks unto Jonah. He tells him what to do. He's got a commission for him to fulfill. So there's a word from God. Then remember chapter 2, there's a word with God because we find Jonah praying. And this is a full chapter of prayer with the exception of verse 10. That makes it very important because out of the four short chapters, one chapter is devoted to the subject of prayer, so he's having a word with God. Now, I prayed a lot today. I prayed before the two services taken in the home, at the graveside. I prayed here before coming into the pulpit. It makes a difference. Have you prayed? It will always make a difference in a prayer meeting like this. Sunday morning, pray before you come. You'll get a blessing. There's no doubt about it. Sunday evening, come along. Come in the spirit of prayer. And the word will live to you. It'll make a difference, you know, when you seek the face of God in prayer. And so when we come to chapter 3, this man is so enthused now by the spirit of God. He's had a word from God. He's had a word with God. And then he goes into Nineveh and he delivers a word for God. Do you see the the, the link, the connection? A word from God, a word with God. A word with God makes a difference. Then he goes to preach. He preaches the word with great power. And you will discover that it was a very brief message I would like to meet Jonah someday and say, how did you get it all into eight words, Jonah? It takes me maybe 45 minutes to get started. You had just eight words, a brief message, eight words in the English Bible, no padding or, or fancy illustrations. Illustrations are good. If it ties in with the message and illustrates the point, that's right. And you will see it was a very blunt message. It was one of doom and bloom. There was no promise that judgment would be averted. He just said, 40 days and none of us shall be overthrown. There's no promise of uh, uh, God intervening at this point of time. There's, There's destruction coming. So it's very blunt. And sometimes you've got to be blunt in the spirit. Sometimes Jesus was, but always anointed by the spirit to get the message across. You think of what Jesus called Herod, that old fox. People would have been offended by that. But there's a reason. Herod was a sly character, slimy character. And the Lord used appropriate language. So if you use appropriate language, you can slay the enemies of the gospel in the power of the Spirit of God using great wisdom. And then it was a blessed message. It was the result of a one-man crusade that revival broke out. This is what God, I'm emphasizing again, what God can do with one man. Revival broke out at that time. One of the greatest revivals in the history of the church, in the Old Testament. And uh, you think of how this man ran. Think of how he went down into that place of the depths of the sea into the belly of the fish. And yet he's the one that's used of God to do a great work oh that never ceases to amaze me it never ceases to encourage me with all of our faults and failures and shortcomings and disobedience the Lord can still use us it's a mercy great mercy
1: now, it's interesting
0: that God ordered Jonah's life just so that it would be anticipate the gracious ministry of Christ but when you think of Jonah and the Lord Jesus both descended for three days into the place of death Then their graves swing open. Remember how the Lord came forth? He didn't have to wait until the stone was rolled away. The stone wasn't rolled away to let him out, it was rolled away to let dollars in. He was already gone. And uh, Jonah, there's the great fish, vomits him up onto dry land. There's a resurrection there. And what happens next? They carry out a gospel ministry to the world. The Lord Jesus through his apostles and uh, Jonah in person as the spirit anointed him he goes on and he carries what we would say a gospel ministry to the Gentiles and that great city they turn to God in faith and repentance. Now Jonah must begin with the same message of judgment denouncing sin but really his own experience in and out of the belly of the fish speaks about the possibility of forgiveness and blessing Jonah, the Bible says, was a sign to the Ninevites. His experience was a sign, a parable of forgiveness and grace. He's saying, look at me. Look at my life. Forgiveness and restoration is possible even for those who disobey and run from God. Look at me. Look at my life. I'm sure he was a sight for sore eyes when he arrived to, to Nineveh maybe without his eyebrows, maybe without body hair. I'm sure he was a sight after being in the belly of that fish and the, the gases there and whatever. I'm sure it was a sight. It was a sign. And he's saying, well, look at me, how God forgave me. They knew all about his story. Someone said, you can preach a better sermon with your life than you can with your lips. George B. Dungan was a famous uh, English preacher. And he spoke one evening about personal witness. And after the meeting, the young woman in the congregation came up to the preacher and said, Mr. Duncan, I couldn't speak to others about Jesus. I just couldn't do it. Very nice young lady. I just couldn't do that. A few days later, he was sitting in the corner of the train compartment, like the old kind of trains, not the modern-day trains. Trains. And he was reading his newspaper. Then this particular girl got into the same compartment with a friend. And Duncan was still concealed behind the newspaper. So he didn't reveal his presence at first. And the girl was talking to her friend and didn't stop talking about her boyfriend and how much she loved him. But the night before, she said to Duncan... I couldn't speak to others about Jesus. And there she was babbling on about the one that she loved so much. Isn't that the way it is at times? We can talk about everything. We can get into the political debate. Uh, we can get into the sporting arena. Uh, we can get into all kinds of conversations and debates. And yet, how sadly when it comes to speaking for Jesus, just a word for Jesus we seem to dry up we seem to lose our courage we just don't know what to say well tell people Jesus died for sinners Jesus died for me you can see it in my life I'm proof I'm evidence of this some of you know my life you know where I have been uh, in a dark place and yet now by grace I am redeemed by precious blood oh we need to speak more about him the ungodly are so bold these days. They're so rude in these times. They're not afraid to speak out. They're not afraid to defy the things of God, evangelists and evangelism. They're not afraid to take and tear the Bible publicly. No, they're not a bit afraid of that. And yet we've got the truth, the glorious gospel of grace, glorious gospel that saved the wretch like me. We've got a great message to share and I trust that each one of us will take a handful of that gospel seed and be like uh, the uh, man there in Matthew 13, behold, a sower. Now, initially, that is a type of Christ. Christ is the sower. He's the one who sows the seed of the kingdom. But in a secondary fashion, it speaks, yes, of gospel preachers and teachers and Sunday school teach whatever. But it speaks of all of us. Behold, a sower went forth to sow. The sower didn't have success in all of All of the different grounds. He may have been disappointed with some of them. But thank God for the seed that fell upon ground prepared. That's the seed we need to look for. We've got to be prepared for disappointments with people. Even in preaching. Preachers can be so disappointed at times. They sow the seed faithfully. They seek to do the will of God. They're out expecting results every Lord's day. And yet, sometimes... The seed falls upon that hard ground, that thorny ground, that that wayside ground. The birds of the air come and swive it away. That's disappointing for a preacher. Maybe this is what you're facing in your home, your family, your loved ones. They're so hard and indifferent. Well, just keep on sowing the seed. Just keep on telling them the good news. Who can tell? But one of these days, God might just use the seed to bring it to fruition. To bring them to faith in Jesus Christ. Oh, there is this communication of the word. The power is in the word, you see. The power is in the seed. You, you take the seed and you, you cast it into the ground. The soil is there. You may have manure, or whatever, and so on. And then at a the certain time, a certain time of the year, suddenly something appears. There it is. There's life there. The life is in the seed. And we need to water the seed in our times of prayer. Come to the prayer meetings. Come to the prayer meetings before the services. Just as the preacher needs help to get into the pulpit, pray for him. Hold up his hands. Just the way Moses had his hands held up by those in the Old Testament. God bless the preacher. Bless the one who comes to preach. Help him now. He may be getting it tight. He may have had a difficult week. Preachers have difficult weeks, different times. Trials and troubles maybe that nobody else knows about pressures and he comes to the pulpit he may look okay he might not be feeling okay on the inside he may be battling the wiles of the devil pray for him for every preacher who comes that god will hold upon him and use him for the praise of the Savior's great name we need to communicate the word the seed it's god's word and pray that the lord will be pleased to bless that seed we've got a wonderful saviour out of the mouth, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's it. Whatever's in the heart will come out. Whatever it is, and if it's love for Jesus Christ, it will flow out like a mighty river, a glorious message, the redeeming message of grace. Saved by grace alone. This is all my plea. Jesus died for sinful men, but Jesus died for me. And then finally, the change through the word. What happened? and he communicated the message so the people of Nineveh believe God, verse 5 Jonah walked into the heart of Nineveh a amazing people he's only a day's journey into it it takes three days to walk through Nineveh he's in there and begins to preach you can see him there, preaching the word yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown And uh, Jonah walked into the heart and said that God's going to to zap you, if you like. You're going to be overturned, overthrown. The word for overturned is a, a, a Hebrew word, and there are actually two distinct meanings to this particular word. Now, when Jonah said that Nineveh would be overturned, no doubt in his mind he meant overturned in the same way that Sodom and Gomorrah Was overturned. Genesis 19 25, it's the same word there. But there's another word, uh, meaning to uh, the word, it's used also in Exodus 7 15 when the staff of Moses changed into a snake or a serpent, and also used of the water of the Nile when it changed to blood. It's the same word. So Jonah walked into Nineveh hoping God was going to destroy the city, the Hebrew word. But what ultimately happened was that Nineveh changed the second meaning of the word. second meaning of the word. So you think of James and John. Uh, there were some people that they felt were not with the Lord and the rest of the disciples. And they, say, well, they said to the Lord, well, we call down fire from heaven to destroy them because they're not with us. And the Lord says, you know not what manner of men you are. Never you worry about that. Leave that to me. If they're not against us, they're for us and so on. And and that's the way we go about life. Somebody disagrees. The people in the country, the community oppose the gospel. And immediately we think, oh, God send fire from heaven. Like Elijah prayed fire from heaven. We'll get all the, the prophets of Baal down to the brook and we'll scatter them there. We'll slay them there. That's not the way the Lord works. This this is our mentality. But God's ways are far superior to our ways. And God's interested in the well-being of souls. God was interested in the the souls in in Nineveh. And so here's this man. He comes with this message. And uh, he feels now's the time. It's going to be destroyed once and for all. But instead of that destruction, God changed the hearts of the people And Nineveh, they believed the word. Notice what happened after Jonah's wonderful short sermon was given to the people. The Ninevites believed God. A mighty awakening took place among the inhabitants. The remainder of the chapter describes how the people came uh, to God in faith and repentance. From the very king upon the throne. Imagine the king upon the throne. Oh, that God would deal with our king. That God would deal with the king upon the throne and bring him to faith and repentance. Deal with his soul, break him down, make him a man of God. Well, that's what happened here anyway. So does God change? Has God changed? He's done this in the past. Can he not do it again? Of course he can. Oh, ye little faith, Lord, increase my faith. The city was filled with, with, with penitence all over the place, people weeping. When was the last time you saw people weeping in their meetings, trembling in their meetings, falling on a root conviction of sin in their meetings? A long time, I suppose. Oh, well, that God would change that. One man, one woman, one young person here tonight in this church can make the difference. God has always raised up one person at different times and different ages for the good of the work of God. All oh, that he might do it even here. In our church set one man, one woman, one young person on fire for God. God saw their works. That was the evidence of repentance. There's always got to be evidence of repentance. There was evidence of repentance in in Jonah because he went and he preached the word. And there was evidence of repentance. And God came down. God and mighty power moved. So he has prayed and and now God speaks again to him. And God speaks through him to this great city, this wicked city. And what happened? God's great name was magnified. Oh, we'll give him all the glory. Why? For he alone is worthy. To God be the glory. Great things he has done. We've got a great Savior, wonderful Savior, and he's the God who gives to us the second chance. So this is the Fresh Start, part two. Oh, may the Lord lead us to a fresh beginning tonight, a fresh start in the service of God. Well, let's get down and seek the Lord. Keep these meetings before you that have been mentioned. Bushmills here among the boys and girls. The the Bible uh, week, we're looking forward to this. Make it known, widely known, please. Use up all these cards, these invitations for whatever. Use them up Communicate the message, be like Jonah, go out and take this glorious message, pray for the the Moore family at this time, pray that the Lord will bless the word that went forth in the home to comfort the family, and pray for the message uh, this afternoon, straightforward gospel message, that God will be pleased to use it yet for the praise of his name. So let's all get down together now, please. I'll ask uh, our brother, Mr. Wiley, if you would like to lead us, please. First of all, thank you.